Father, we're giving you some glory today. We're not just going to sing about a miracle. I'm not just going to preach about a miracle, God. I believe we're in the middle of one. Like I'm believing, we're believing that you brought people in your house today to not just come and hear a message, not just come and sing a song, but to come and have a life changed. See, we're boldly praying in the name of your son Jesus that lives are going to change in this place today. That people who walked in here with, with, with a spirit of darkness or sadness or hurt or weariness, God, that you're starting to change them even as this prayer is prayed, that you're moving in a supernatural way, God, doing what only you can do. Father, a miracle will happen today. I believe it's already taken place. I believe you're just getting started. I believe that you want to make somebody new. I believe you want to break chains. I believe you want to set people free. I believe you want lives to go from where they were to where you want them to be. God, we need you. We give you glory. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence, God. A miracle will happen now in your name, we pray. And everybody says, amen. Yeah, you can have a seat. I am so excited. You know, do me a favor. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them it's time to get in the game. Right? It's time to get in the game. See, you just, you just gave your, your neighbor, if you, if you played that game with me, you gave your neighbor the title of a series we're in called Get in the Game. So I, gotta, I like to start with stories sometimes. Now, this one I'm going to start with a disclaimer. Um, you know, a lot of the stories I tell, and um, kids, I need you listening to this, my kids for sure. A lot of the stories that I tell, are, they're true. I mean, these, this is how I was brought up. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story about me playing baseball here in a second on, uh, in, in high school. But what I want the teenagers to know that are in this place, or the pre-teenagers to know, that, that a lot of what I say, like, I don't want you to do, okay? I don't want you to do what I've done. See, it's good to do the opposite of what I did before I knew Jesus, okay? Does that make sense? I'm just giving that disclaimer right now, because I don't want you going home, well, pastor did that. I, you know, no, pastor did that, and if you want to spend time in jail, you do that. But if you don't, you'll do the opposite, all right? So we're playing high school ball. I love playing baseball growing up. And our team had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of talent. Like, we had a lot of athletes on our team. Um, so we had the talent. We didn't have the priorities right, okay? So I'll tell you a story of us going to a tournament on a Saturday. Um, we all jump in cars. We drive to another small town. We go to a, we, we, we pull up to the dugouts, and there's teams out there for the tournaments, and they're already getting ready. So there's a team over here, and the coach has got them huddled up, probably giving them some inspiration or some last-minute teaching about the day. And then there's another team over there, and they're doing um, exercises, warming up. And then there's a team in the infield, and they're running around the bases. So they're all preparing. Say preparing. See, they're preparing because they want something good to happen that day. So our team... Uh, the, 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 the Salem Cubs, we were, this is how we prepared this day. We were in the cars, we pulled up to the dugouts, and we stayed in the cars, and our pregame warm-up was listening to rock music uh, while slamming some bush light, okay? So I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Somebody's like, bush light, that's like water. I know, that's why I went down so easy, seriously. But I was 16, Give, you know, cut me some slack. But that's what we did, and it's bad when you open the car doors and the beer cans fall out. I mean, this is high school baseball. It's kind of embarrassing. But that's the, we, we, we did that growing up, and um, our play reflected it. So um, we, uh, I'll never forget the game, and it was a tournament like I'm talking about. And we were playing a team that was not good, like not good. Even, even our pregame warm-up shouldn't hinder us from beating this team. 
but we were not beating them. It was a bad, we were not playing well. We were, we, 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 we were sucking, if I can just say that word. Um, I did, so there it is. So, uh, but we were not good. So the coach, our coach got really frustrated because we were like telling the coach, you know, well, I need to be here and they need to be there and I need to, if you, I move me here. And finally the coach, he wasn't real eloquent. He finally turned to us and said, shut up. And we're like, he got our attention. We're like, and he said, you know what I hear from you? I keep hearing I, 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 I. And then he gave us the old, he goes, but we're a team. And guess what? You know what's coming. There's no I in team. And as soon as he said that, the buddy next to me says, coach, there may be no I in team, but there is me in team. That's what he said. He didn't play that game and he might've walked home. I don't know. Uh, So that was, I thought it was funny. Coach didn't think it was funny. I tell you that to tell you that unless we're on the same team, unless we know what we're called to do and we're doing it, we're going to be in huge trouble. Our team was not good. We didn't play as a team a lot. We had a lot of dysfunction. Church is dysfunctional. Is that fair? Meadows is kind of dysfunctional. But we're family, and we're doing it together. That's what this series is all about. So I'll tell you something. I love the song that we just sang, The Evidence is All Around. The evidence is all around. See, your creator, you have a creator, by the way. I was talking to a girl one time, and she was questioning God. And I said, do you believe in creation? I mean, it's hard not to, right? And she's like, yeah, I believe in creation. She pointed to the nature, pointed to trees, pointed to um, the earth and the sun and the stars and all that stuff. She said, yeah, I, I bought into that. And I said, do you believe we're like creation? She's like, yeah. I said, well, if, there, if we're creation and this is creation and that's all creation, there has to be a creator. Like there has to be. You, you can't have a creation without a creator. I'm telling you that because You do have a creator. Whether you believe that or not, I want you to know that you do. And he loves you. And this is what I need you to know. Your creator is looking down at you right now. He's looking at all of us. And he he desperately wants his creation to live and do what he's created him to do. Do you know how frustrating it would be for, for you to create something and then what you created isn't doing what you created it to do? Well, that would make no sense. So, so, but here's what I contend. I think there's a lot of people, and I say this because this was me most of my life. I, I was existing, but not living. I, 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 and if, if I thought I was living, I certainly wasn't doing what God created me to do. I was not. And God looks down at us and says, I desperately want you to live your purpose. I desperately want you to do what I created you to do. But I'm convinced most people aren't. And, and I'm not mad at them. Again, that was me. But, but, but God is just in, in, imploring us to say, I've got such purpose for you. I've got such a plan for you. I've got such a, a plan for my creation. And he, people think, well, what's God's will? What's God's purpose? God's not trying to hide his purpose. God's not trying to hide his will. He, he wants to lay it out in front of you. He's not trying to hide what he wants you to do. And he's going to show you today. If you're wondering, God, what do you have for me? What am I supposed to do? Boy, I'm t- this message is for you. This message is for you. But, but something big about this message that you need to know in this whole series, team is big. You weren't created to do it alone. You weren't. That's why we love saying we're a family. We don't just say it. I believe we model it. And it's huge that you know that. And the one who modeled it for us is a man named Jesus. So a man named Paul met a man named Jesus and was changed by him. Paul used to be Saul, then changed to Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. He did. Like the book I'm going to tell you to go to if you brought a Bible or you got the mobile app on your phone is a book in the New Testament called Philippians. Say Philippians. It's 
kind of a hard one to say. It's, it's called Philippians because Paul's writing to a church in Philippi. So Philippi today is it's modern day Greece. That's where the city was located, okay? It's one of the first churches that were planted. And uh, Paul's writing to them and he, and he desperately wants them to live their purpose. He desperately wants this church to understand team and understand the creator and your creation. That's what he wanted. So Paul's not just writing to Philippi, but he's writing to you and I. I love the Bible. The Bible's as applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago. And I'm telling you, I, if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. I will do whatever I can to get you in it. It will change you. Philippians 2, chapter 2. I'm going to start in the third verse. Lean into this. This is going to be amazing. Listen. So, so here's the playbook. You ready for it? Paul says, this is what you need to do. It's not easy, but this is what he says. Paul writes in verse 3, don't be selfish. It's like I want to stop Paul right there and say, Paul, I'm already, I'm already in trouble, okay? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Say humble. Humble. Thinking of yourselves as better, or thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, just you. But take interest in others, he says. You see the theme, don't you? Paul's desperate, trying to tell them to get out of themselves. He knows a church turned inward is a church that's going to die. He knows that. And it's, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm not talking about no building or no steeple or no... Cr I'm talking about the people. See, you're the church. The people are the church. He's talking to the people. And he wants them to know about their creator and creation and what they're created to do. Verse 5. Now listen to this. You must, say must, must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And then he spells it out. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Okay? Pause for a second. So Jesus has always been. I don't want you to think, well, Jesus just came to earth when it was Christmas and he was born in a manger. That's when he did come to earth as a human? Correct. But Jesus has always existed. Okay? That's a whole other sermon. I just want you to know the first life group, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they have always been. Jesus has always been. But he wasn't always a human. He, wasn't, he didn't always give up his divine rights, but here's where he's doing it. Paul's saying, this is what your father, your Lord, your Savior did for you. Though he's God, he gave it up. He gave up his divine privileges, took the humble, there's that word again, position of a slave. And was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. More on that later. I, what I love about what Paul writes here is Paul's teaching us that, that your Lord, your, your, your king, whether you acknowledge that or not, I need you to know that he loves you. And I need you to know that Jesus can relate to whatever you're going through. Listen, I don't know what you brought in here today. I don't, there's some of you struggling with depression, so do I. There's some of you struggle with anxiety. Some of you can't sleep at night. Some of you are dealing with financial struggles and you're upside down. I'm telling some of you are going through a breakup and you're heartbroken. I'm telling you, and it probably might be the reason God even brought you here today. But I'm telling you, you're here on purpose for a purpose. And regardless of what you're going through or the struggles that you may be in or out of right now, Jesus has been through them. Like he isn't some, he isn't, he isn't the coach that's never played the game, right? Our coach in baseball, he wasn't great, but at least he played baseball. Okay, I can take advice from a guy that's played the game. But if he didn't know the difference between a baseball and a beach ball, I'm probably not going to take a lot of advice from him. Jesus knows the difference. Jesus has been, you got dumped, Jesus has been dumped. He got dumped all the time. Peter's like, Jesus, I'm never going to leave you. I'll be with you all the time. 
10 seconds later, zoom, Peter's gone. Jesus got dumped. It's funny, even as I say that, I think about, like, I think weird things sometimes. And I think about, I think about Jesus' class reunion. I mean, just think about this. Like, I just picture, like, like they're, everybody's gathering for the class reunion. And, and you know how people kind of change, you know, as you get older or whatever. And the girls are kind of huddled up. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking into the class reunion. And Jenny's like, oh, Jenny's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's right there. Jesus Christ. He's right there. Look at it. Allison, Allison, didn't you use, didn't you use to date him? Didn't you use to date Jesus? You dumped him? You dumped Jesus? Allison's like, yeah, I didn't know he was the son of God. Allison, you screwed that up, girl. You could have had little miracle babies, you know, what, running around. God, you messed that up. You met, you, Allison, didn't you marry Lenny? Lenny? And now you're Lenny living in a van down by the river. Okay, this is, you could have had, girls are kind of mean that way, but uh, I just, you know, the, they didn't know. Who knew that he was the son of God? But he is. And, and Jesus, he, he can relate to what you've been through. He's not some deity up there that can't relate, and he's so high and mighty. That, that, that he doesn't know what you're going through. Listen to me. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he loves you. I love the fact, one time a bunch of religious people told Jesus, they asked Jesus, they, let, regarding getting the game, you know what they said? They said, Jesus, what's the most important thing in the playbook, basically, is what they said. Of all the things in the playbook, of all the, the plays that you have written out, say we lose the playbook, it gets stolen by Belichick, and it's gone, and all of a sudden we don't know what to do. What do we do? What's the one thing that we need to remember? Jesus said it. Okay, if you lose the playbook, if you memorize this one play, if you do this one play, you'll be good. Here's the play he told him. Matthew 22. Jesus said it. You must, there's the word. It's not optional. You don't want it to be optional. It's for you. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is the biggest play in the playbook of everything in the playbook called my word. This is it. But that's not all. He adds, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God and loving others. Well, that doesn't sound like that fun, God. I mean, you're, so you're saying it's not about me. And I think that's what Jesus is. Yes, if you're in Christ, it's not about you, right? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's not about me. Tell your neighbor, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. So that's what he's saying. But Jesus knew something, and this brings me to your point. Oh my God, if you hear nothing else, take this in. Your purpose is to live. I'm gonna repeat that. Your purpose is to live. Are you living? Or are you existing? Okay? Your purpose is to live for the glory of God and for the good of others. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to live for the glory of God and the good of others. And again, you might push back and think, oh gosh, great, so I gotta live for God and care about others and what about me? And I get it, but God, here's the, here's the kicker with God. When you make it about God and you make it about others, you know what God does? He makes it all about you. It's, it's weird. I, uh, Got a dysfunctional past. You probably already figured that out by now, I would hope. But anyway, been to 12-step programs, been to rehab a couple times. In 12-step programs, it's brilliant, by the way. It's Bible-based stuff. But you know what they say? They say anytime, whether you're addicted or whatever your dysfunction is, I don't, wherever you're at today, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's liquor, porn. I don't, you put whatever you want in the line. I don't care. When you feel like going there, when you're struggling, you feel like, hi, I'm just, I'm gonna go, go there again. You don't have to. 
You don't have to. You know why? You know what they would say in a 12-step program when you're feeling that way? Get out of yourself. Go serve somebody. Go love somebody. Go do anything you need to do to get out of your head and out of yourself. Because any kind of dysfunction or addiction like that, it, the, the common thread's always self-centeredness. It always is. It just is. So they know that if you can get out of yourself and serve somebody else, the person that's going to benefit the most is you. That's what, it's brilliant. It doesn't make sense to us, but it, it, that's why, this, if you missed last week, I'm going to give you a verse from last week because you need to know it. Last week, we talked about how Jesus washed feet. And Jesus washed feet, and he says, you wash feet now. I serve, now you serve. You know what, John 13, 17, it says when you do that, when you do those things, remember if you were here, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you know how to wash feet, you know how to serve others, you know how to love others. Now that you know these things, if you do them, you will be blessed. So the second half of this main point, when you make it about others, God blesses you. When you make it about others, God blesses you. So many people walk around, God's not blessing them. Well, they're so self-centered. How are are you going to get blessed? It's not about you. The funny thing is, when it's not about you, it's all about you, according to God. It's crazy. Bear with me. God loves blessing people. I I need you. I want to show you the nature of God. Like some people think he's this spiting God. He's this spiteful, this mean, this, this hateful, this vengeful, this, if you do this, I will do this, and... Listen, your, your Father in Heaven loves you, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done. I don't care where you were last night. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And you know what the Bible says? He loves giving you gifts. The Bible says he's a gift giver, and he loves giving gifts to his children. He does. So, so check this out. So you're all talented in some facet or another. You are, okay? You're all, you're all, you're all born with talents. And then there's gifts. Talents and gifts are different. So, so... Like talent, I mean, again, it's from God. It's great. You're born with it. You didn't do nothing to get it. It's just, I had a guy in middle school, we were at a dance. And a good friend of mine, grew up with him from kindergarten all the way through college. And uh, he really impressed me one time at a middle school dance because he did this weird thing. And I was like, man, I've never seen anybody be this weird before. But we're, he, was, he busted out the, the, something called the worm. I don't know if you've ever seen the worm, but he, he just starts getting jiggy with it he's like doing this thing with his body where he's like flopping on the floor and you know what the worm is okay maybe I whatever so and I'm like that's the craziest thing I've ever seen I think that might help me get girls I'll do whatever it takes I don't care so I'm like he's like you could probably do it I'm like well maybe I can I don't know yeah I'll, I'll give it a try I said what do I do he said well just kind of fall forward and just kind of contort your body to the ground and just start flopping I'm like, well, I've been known to flop on the ground before, so yeah, let me try this. So I, I do it, but mine didn't look like his. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have this talent. I figured it out. I didn't so much do this to the ground, but I, I did more of like a, um, how do you put it, like, like a, a, um, a belly flop on the cement and uh, a face plant and about broke my nose. Tried it three times. That's how bright I am. So um, every time the same thing happened. I don't, I don't have the talent of the worm. I can moonwalk with the best of them, but I can't do the worm. So um, <laughs> talents are different than gifts. Here's what gifts are. You know, gifts are given to you by the Holy Spirit. So a, a, a spiritual gift, we call them, you're not born with those. You're given those when you give your life to Christ. Did you know that? It's nuts. I'll show you in Scripture in a second. It's crazy. So God, when you give your life to what do you mean give your life to Christ? I mean, when you, like, when you believe in Jesus and, you, and, and God just shows you, like he's going to reveal to somebody today, this is true. 
that Jesus Christ is God, like I read, that he literally, God sent his son to heaven or to earth as a human being and that he lived a perfect life, died on a cross. And when you ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins and and live in you and change you, he'll do it. And when that happens, you go from death to life, like from hell to heaven, we would say, and eternity is, heaven is your home. It's, it's a miracle. And the, and the Holy Spirit literally goes inside of you. Like this is, this is I know it sounds nuts, but I'm just, I, I need you to know this. And what happens is when the Holy Spirit lives in you, the Spirit in you gives you gifts. I'll, I'll show it to you. Another book that Paul wrote is called Corinthians. This is in 1 Corinthians, called Corinthians because the, the city was Corinth. So Corinth, like Philippi, also in Greece, in the Greece area. So, okay, so... In Corinth, he says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. These aren't talents. You're not born with them. You're given them by the Holy Spirit when you call on the name of the Lord. But the same Spirit is the source of them all. There's different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And then he hits you with verse 7. Lean into this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So it's not for you, but it's for others. Your spiritual gift is not about you at all. I promise you, it's not for you at all. It is for somebody else. It's so you can help others. Why? Because your purpose is to live for the glory of God and the good of others. So that's your purpose, to live for the glory of God and get uh, good of others. So I'm not going to go through all the spiritual gifts. You can find them in the Bible. You go to Ephesians 4, you'll find a bunch. Go to Romans 12, you'll find more. Keep reading in 1 Corinthians 12, you'll find even more. You'll find like 19, 20 spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. There's even more than that that aren't listed. There's tons of spiritual gifts that you don't have until you call on the name of the Lord. But check this out. So so what are some of them? I'll give you some. Leadership is a spiritual gift. So you may not be a leader, but you call on the name of the Lord, he'll, he'll show you how to lead in a way that you can't believe. Teaching, encouragement. Okay, uh, giving, administration, these are all spiritual gifts. Mercy, okay, I don't, I'm going to be straight with you. Mercy is not a huge gift of mine. You might think you're a pastor. You should have mercy on people. Well, you know, God's working on me, okay? I'm just, and I love people, and I do have empathy with them, but man, it's frustrating sometimes. I talked to a guy one time, he was jacked up. Oh man, he was a mess. And I had empathy with him because he's like, he's going through a rough patch. Like some of you today, dude was in a horrible relationship that was, I mean, just going downhill fast. He's in addiction, messed up. So I pray with him, but I'll point you on a path. Somebody pointed me on a path, I'll point you on a path to purpose that will change your life. I promise you, God will do it. So I told him, I said, I won't use his name, but I told him, I said, this is what I need you to do. Number one, this relationship is really, you've, you've got skin in that, that game. I said, you need to go make it right and do your part with that person. I said, secondly, you need Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step program that where Jesus Christ is the center. We're, we're going to blow one out of the water in this church. I can't wait. It is incredible. Change your life. And I told him, we had it going at this church, and I said, you need to go to Celebrate Recovery. I told him, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. I said, are you reading the Word of God? No, I ain't reading the Word of God. I said, just start easy. You know, 10 minutes a day. I've heard a guy say that once. Brilliant guy. And he said, I said, 10 minutes a day. For the rest of your days, will change your days. And he's like, okay, okay, I can do 10 minutes a day. And I said, okay, lastly, I said, are you praying? He's like, no, I ain't praying. I'm like, okay, all right, pray. I said, 30 seconds in the morning, just pray. And, and I'm like, okay. He's good. Well, two and a half weeks later, he comes back. He's like, Pastor, it's gone from bad to worse. It's bad to worse. And it's just, I said, all right, all right, settle down. What's going on? And he tells me what's going on. I said, well, I said, are you, I mean, how's it going with, are you in God's word? Oh, no, I haven't got time to get in God's word yet. I said, okay. I said, are, 
I said, the person that, you know, I told you to go make it right with, I said, did you go? No, pastor, I hate that person more today than I did two weeks ago. I'm like, okay, well, that's, we're going in the wrong direction. I said, what about recovery? Did you go to celebrate recovery? Oh my gosh, between the bar and the casino, I don't have time for, I'm like, okay, well, okay, this isn't good. How about prayer? You pray? No, pastor, I came to you to pray. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So this is where the mercy part starts to leave my body. And, and, he, and then he says, and then he says, you know what? But I guess everything happens for a reason. And I'm like, I, I want, you know what I wanted to say? This is what wanted to come out of my mouth. Yes, you're right. Everything happens for a reason. And sometimes the reason is you're stupid, okay? That's why. I'm sorry. There's the mercy. You praying for your pastor? I mean, I, what? I didn't say that. I just thought it. I thought it. I'm like, you're not, anyway. So there's some spiritual gifts all over the place. And you can find them. And you can take tests. But I tell people you can Google spiritual gift tests. And sure, take them. But I tell you, you want to know your gift? jump in somewhere. Start serving. You already got a good idea, right? I mean, God's going to give you a pretty good idea. It's not rocket science. I mean, if you get around a group of kids and they're starting to get rowdy and you feel like grabbing a kid and like punting him across the room, well, kids ministry probably isn't your gig, okay? I'm just saying. Okay, maybe celebrate recovery. You might need some help. So, um, I'm just, it's not rocket science. Get involved. Do it. God will show you how you're gifted. But some people will always push back. Oh, I just wish I had more ability. I could be up here or, or wherever. And I wish I had more talent. God has given you everything you need to do everything he's called you to do. Everything. Do you believe that? He has. I'm not kidding. Like, you don't know. I heard of Noah. Remember Noah and the ark? Dude saved mankind by building a boat. It's pretty amazing. So Noah... It wasn't Noah's talent that built the boat. It wasn't. It was his obedience. Like God, we think, oh God, you need my ability. No, he doesn't. God is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. And when you show up and say, here I am, Lord, use me, guess what? Your world is about to change because that's what he does. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, I want that change. You know whose world's about to change? About 20 plus people at Meadows Church. I kid you not. I kid you not. Last weekend, the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, man. So we do church 9 and 11. And then when you're out eating with your family, most of you, we're tearing down and we're putting church back in a box. And it's crazy. But then guest services will walk over to me and they'll give me these connection cards. And, and I mean, last weekend, normally the stack's like this. But this weekend, I'm like, oh, whoa people were responding to the word of God. I got me kind of excited. So I looked at them and I could not believe it. Dream team card after dream team card. Dream teams are our serving teams and connection cards and decisions for Christ. And we fanned them out. Do we have a picture of that? Do we have a picture? I don't even know if we have it or not. If we do, look at it. Every one of those cards represents a person whose life is going to change. I promise you. We fanned them out. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, my God, you are doing something supernatural. It's amazing. When you step up, here I am, God, use the heck out of me. I don't know what to do. He'll show you. He'll show you. He showed Kylie. He showed Kylie, push, guest services team. Mm. A life transformed, living for the glory of God and the good of others. Check out the screen. Watch this. I'm Kylie, and I serve on the guest services dream team. So someone in my life group actually invited me to serve with her on the guest services dream team. Normally I would probably have said no because I think other people will just serve or that they would be better than me. But this time I decided to just be obedient to God and say yes. And I'm so glad that I did. It was a game changer for me. By serving on the guest services dream team, 
It has allowed me to connect with other people within the church. I want to feel welcome and loved when I walk into a church, so it allows me to help our guests know they're wanted here. It's also allowed me to connect with other people that are serving on the Dream Team and not just the Guest Services Dream Team, everybody that's serving on any Dream Team, serving alongside of them. It's, it's allowed me to build relationships with them that I normally wouldn't have. You do have a purpose, you do belong, and you are a part of the family. So whether you've been thinking about serving for some time but just haven't taken that next step, or maybe you haven't even thought about it at all, now's the time to get involved, start thinking about where you can serve and what Dream Team you'd like to be a part of. Is that awesome? <laughs> what Kylie didn't tell you is that she started coming to Meadows just to attend like many of you, and that's okay. That's a great place to start. See if this is your home. She quickly didn't stay there long, and she stepped into guest services, loving people, and an opportunity came up to be a leader at guest services. So I go to Kylie, I'm like, Kylie, and you know what I was looking for? Just availability. And she loved people, and she was here every weekend, you know, barring being gone for a vacation or visiting family or whatever, but pretty much attending and serving, attending and serving. And I went to Kylie and said, Kylie, what about leading? And you know, immediately we're going to think, oh, that's not us, and I'm not that person. And Kylie's like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm good enough or whatever. You know how it is. We, we talk ourselves out of things. But I saw something in Kylie that she didn't see in herself. And I'm not, it ain't me. God was doing it. But I said, Kylie, what if you were to lead? And she says, I don't know, I don't know if I know what, I don't think I know what I'm doing. And I say, Kylie, guess what? Neither do I. So how about we don't know what we're doing together? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. We don't need to know everything. God will figure it out. It's like bringing home that newborn baby, that firstborn from the hospital. You have no clue what you're doing. But you got to figure it out. You get home, you're like, holy crap. Like literally, that's a lot of crap. I mean, I got to clean this up. So it's, you figure it out. You, by the way, Meadows Church, I don't know if you know this about Meadows, but we probably had four or five babies born in the last three months, and we got like four or five more on the way. I'm telling you, when God said be fruitful and multiply, Meadows heard that. It's like, God, we're on it. We're going to grow this church one way or another. Let's do this. I love it. So, but here's the thing about a newborn baby. You know what every mommy and daddy is, is expecting? Little baby to do? Grow. See, if little baby doesn't grow, there's a problem. If little babies stunted or not growing at all, there's something's wrong. The same is true for the children that you and I are to God. He wants you to grow. How has Kylie grown so much? You talk to Kylie today. I ain't going to talk for her, but I, but, but I will. Uh, she's grown more in the last year than, than you can believe, and she'll tell you that. God wants his children to grow. God wants his children to live on purpose. This is what he wants. We expect growth. Paul expected growth. That's why he told, told the church in Corinth, you've been given a spiritual gift. You, and it's not for you. It's for somebody else who needs you to use your gift so they can find Christ and then use theirs. It's kind of how the kingdom grows. It's how God builds his, 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 his kingdom of God. I love it. I'm going to rephrase something. Paul told the church in Corinth that every believer there was given supernatural ability. Shouldn't we expect like su supernatural things to happen? Okay, so think about this for a second. We've all maybe seen movies or something where someone's possessed by an evil spirit or a demon. We kind of know what that looks like. It's, uh, you know, it's, they're talking different, they're acting different, they're levitating above the bed. Weird things are happening. It's obvious that they've been possessed by something or someone. 
shouldn't it be just as evident if someone is possessed with the Holy Spirit? Uh, shouldn't it? But is it? I'm not pointing a finger at you. I'm looking at me too. I'm like, does my life, do people, do I just radiate Jesus? Do I just, I mean, am I just, can't I show up, can't wait to serve, can't wait to love? Shouldn't it, it's super, the Holy Spirit, do we believe in this power that comes inside of us, that changes us? It's, 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 we expect, see, it worked. I'm expecting God to show up every weekend. I, I'm not kidding you. I expect it. And I want you to do the same. And if you're not, I want you to start with me today. Like, I want you to expect God to show up and move in and through you. I want you to. I want you to come expecting God to perform miracles. Expecting God to move mountains. Expecting God to answer prayers. Expecting God to change your life. Is anybody expecting God to show up and do something? A miracle possibly? Maybe? I am. I expect, that's why I don't, I, that's why I'm not surprised when I, I hear stories about, like last weekend. I don't get surprised. I expect it. When I get texts like I got last weekend, I read it, I'm like, you're good, God. You're powerful. But I expect it. Like, I'm, I, I'm not just talking about a big God. I expect a big God to show up and do something. You're like, well, what text? What story? Well, like Monday I get a text, and a person, this is what they text me. A couple. Sunday after service, so last week, we go up for prayer regarding some upcoming radiation treatments. Prayer team member heard the request, said, hang on. Went over, grabbed other people to wrap around. Big request, big prayer, big God. Gather other people to come around. Next thing I know, these are her words. I just, I just typed them out. Next thing I know, we're in the midst of amazing prayer warriors. They laid hands and prayed. And listen to this, we could literally feel the love the power and the healing. And then she says that night, Sunday night, something was different. Oh, you mean, you mean God actually did something supernatural? That night, something was different. She says, then it all made sense the next day. We get the leukemia counts back. A few weeks ago, check it out. The counts were in the 900s, but now it was showing at 186. That is a huge difference. A miracle is happening. See, I expect, you should expect it, and you should celebrate it, because God is that big. I don't know what's going on in your life, but He does, and He has the power to change it. He does. And then she says, she adds this, she said, we're so grateful for our prayer family and our church family and for everyone praying, comma, don't stop. We won't. We won't stop. We will never stop. You know what my question to my, in my head was? I wonder if the prayer dream team, the ones who probably don't even feel equipped to pray for themselves or in their family, let alone strangers, I wonder if they had any clue that, that last weekend on a, on a Sunday afternoon, that God would literally, literally use them as a conduit for his miracle. Do you think they had any idea? I bet they didn't. And it's okay. We're people. How God, but what, what if they would have said no? What if they wouldn't be on a team? What if they wouldn't have said yes to God? Well, I can't really, I don't know how to pray. 
You're right. None of us really know how to pray. The Bible says it. The Holy Spirit gives us the words to say. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to pray. You, you, don't, have the, you don't have the gifts, but God will give them to you. I wonder if they had any idea. I'm going to boldly tell you something. Your gift is needed. It is needed. It is desperately needed. I shared a stat last week that was staggering that nine out of, over 9 out of 10 churches are declining or dying. Gifts aren't being utilized. The church is healthy. You're healthy when we love each other, when we minister to each other, when we serve each other. This is the body of Christ being the body of Christ. If I were to say Jesus served, you would agree. Most churches would agree. Everybody sitting in a congregation on a Sunday morning say, yep, Jesus served. If I were to say, well, Jesus served, and the Bible says that we serve, you would agree with that too. Yes, Gee, we're to model Jesus. He served, we serve. It makes sense. Any church would say that. All of them that have plateaued and dying would say that. Every one of them. So what's the disconnect? You, we agree. I wrote it down. And I ain't pointing the finger at you. I'm, I'm telling you. I've convinced myself many days, and maybe you have too, that my beliefs are sincere. I have. Even if they have no impact on how I live. I'll say it again. I can convince myself that my beliefs are true, even if they don't impact the way I live. But you know what God wants us to know today? Regardless of how sincere our beliefs are, it really doesn't matter. If, it, if they don't impact how we live, if we're not living them out, they're not really beliefs, they're delusions. And I've been, I, I, I've lived a very delusional life. Some days I still do. And I'm not there yet. I'm with you. But, but I don't want to stand up here and say, yes, the, all these things matter, but I do nothing. Jesus was so crazy one time. He said in Luke 9, 23, he was so bold, but people were so drawn to him because he was so loving at the same time. And Jesus says, listen, you guys want to follow me? You really want what, what, what I have to offer? Because I'll give you life and I'll give it to the full and it'll change your life. But he said, if you want to follow me, Luke 9, 23, turn from your selfish ways. He was bold about it. He says, you need to stop. You need to turn. It ain't about you anymore. It's about me and my kingdom. And when you make it about me and my kingdom, I make it about you. It's how he works. He says, turn from your selfish ways. Pick up your cross. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. Meaning, put down your will and your wants. Pick up the cross, which is God's will and God wants, and follow me. If we say we're going to follow Christ, we must want to live as he lived. But it's a challenge. In a few weeks, you guys, I'm going to do a series. We're going to do a series called The Hope of the World. Say hope. You know what people need more than ever right now? Hope. There was a hope of the world. There was the hope of the world two thousand years ago called the first church, and they changed the history of history. They changed the world. This group of guys and gals, and I mean they were misfits, maybe worse than you guys. It's debatable though. So I'm just saying, maybe. You know what's crazy about these misfits that changed the world? God showed me something this week. He does it every week. It's so crazy. Like, I kind of have an idea of the message we're going to give. And then, then, as, then, then, then as I'm studying, I see something that I never saw, saw coming. And then I know God wants you to know it because I had no clue. And I've been studying the Bible for many years now. Never noticed what you're about to hear. This is huge. Do you remember in Philippians, the first scripture we read together today? Remember in Philippians 2? Remember how I read Paul saying, hey, get out of yourself. Don't be selfish. Be like Jesus. He gave up his divine rights. Remember that? So verse 7 of that, you don't need to put it up. I'll just read it to you. 
I, he said, instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave. not politically correct to say that i mean yeah jesus you came to earth you were a person but a slave isn't that kind of dramatic is what but that's what it said he came and took the position of a slave and i'm studying the word of god this week and look what god showed me you know you know the game changers the hope of the world that first church well that first church was paul who wrote a lot of the new testament that first church was peter dysfunctional peter screwing things up all the time but he was the first church. Brothers of Jesus, guys like Jude wrote a book in the Bible. Guys like James wrote a book in the Bible. And I start looking at the books they wrote in the Bible. Look how everyone starts. I've never noticed it, it like this before, ever, ever. You can study this yourself. You just gotta go to these books and read the first sentence, you'll see it. Romans is a book that Paul wrote. He wrote Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans. In Romans 1.1, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent to preach. A slave? Peter, 2 Peter, read the first sentence. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And the next two blow me away, and I'll tell you why in a second. Jude, this letter's from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ, a brother of James. Read James, read the first sentence in James this week, you'll hear the same thing. This letter's from James, a slave. Say slave. It's okay, you can say it, it's okay. Slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What's so, what's so insane about that? Jude and James, they're brothers of Jesus. Do you know what the Bible says in Matthew? When, when Jesus was on earth, the brothers did. His family, they, he was a joke. Some carpenter making tables in the garage. He ain't no God. He ain't no miracle worker. It's my brother. He don't even make his bed. Come on, I've seen him. I live with him. Okay, so Jude and James, you've gone from basically saying Jesus is some loser who's a nobody. Now all of a sudden you're saying you're a slave to him and he's your Lord? What has changed? What's going on? Can I tell you what happened? Something called the resurrection. See, they, they saw their brother before and he was like everybody else. But then they knew that he hung on a cross and he was dead. And then all of a sudden they saw him and he's talking to them like in the flesh, alive. Oh, that'll change you. They saw something's different. Okay, you were dead and now you're alive. See, Christianity is based on one event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you can wrap around that today, you can call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. It's the resurrection of Jesus that is the game changer. This man, this God, this humble slave, dead for three days and now he's alive. Paul, I'm a slave. Peter, I'm a slave. Jude, I'm a slave. James, I'm a slave. It's, it, it, it's almost like in becoming a slave, they're saying that's when we find our freedom. Really? What if I told you that today Jesus is saying, I want you to get in the game. Not only do I want you to get in the game, but I want you on my team. All right, Jesus, we're picking teams. Sounds fun. Okay, Jesus, what's the name of your team? Because that kind of depends. Well, Jesus is like, well, we're called the slaves. Oh, well... <laughs> 
not that appealing. Um, you know, Barnabas's team is called the, the great robbers, and Joseph, they're, they're, they're the devil killers, and you're the slaves? I don't know. Well, before you pick up your ball and go to another team or go home, let me tell you a little bit something about the coach, okay? Let me tell you a little bit something about the master of team slaves. Your coach, this master, his name's Jesus. He'll provide for you and he'll take care of you. Whether you're up or whether you're down, whether you're depressed or feeling good, he's always there for you. Your master will protect you when no one else is protecting you and no one else is looking out for you, he's there with you. You to me, you don't see him, but he's there, I promise you. This master that we're talking about, he has the power literally to forgive you. Whatever you've done, believe it or not, he knows it all anyway, and he wants to forgive you today. That's your master. This coach of this team, slaves, this master heals you when you're broken. He gives you rest when you're weary. That's what he offers. This master will never give up on you, and he will never leave you. See, when you become a team member, when you become a slave, I'll just say it, when you become a slave, to this master named Jesus Christ, he is not gonna lock you up, but he's in the business of wanting to set you free. And he doesn't wanna just fix you up, but he wants to make you new. Do you believe it? I don't hear you. I'm not convinced. Give him a shout if you believe he wants to do something. I believe it. I believe it for you if you can't believe it. Monty, how do, you, how do you know about Jesus? How do you believe in Jesus? Because I was a dead man, and I called on his name, and I'm alive. I don't know how else to say it. I can't convince you to, I can't convince you to believe in Jesus. I can show you scripture all day long, but I'm telling you, I was dead, and today I'm alive. Hey, Jake and Ava, you wouldn't have a father if it wasn't for Jesus, I promise you. I promise you, the only reason I'm in your life is Jesus. Jody, same for you. And you already know it. I want you to know it. It's he's it. It's a privilege to be a slave. I know that doesn't that sounds crazy. Slavery is where we find freedom. Some of you you're gonna call in the name of the Lord today. That's why there's connection cards that Casey talked about. If you're ready to give your life to Christ, I pray you'll do it today and let the prayer team pray with you. If you're ready to step into something called a dream team. And not just talk about being the church, but literally start to use your gifts and talents that God has given you because you're in Him to start being the church. Your gift is needed. I'll boldly tell you that. Meadows is growing at a pace that is only God can do it. And we're, and we're just hitting the fall, which is where we tend to grow even more. I know it's coming. I believe God wants to do something supernatural. I know it can't happen without us being the church. It can't. Your gift is needed. The dream team cards, please. You just... I don't want to force, I'm not forcing you to do anything. I'm telling you, talk to Kylie. Talk to her. It's not just some made up stuff to get you to serve in the church. I'm telling you, it's for you. It's for you. It's for you. One gal asked me one time, I was preaching and I can get kind of excited. I don't know if you know that, but I was preaching and I had preached in Sioux Falls. I preached three services, like two, one on Saturday, two on Sunday, and everyone was just crazy and nuts. And gal comes up to me, she goes, how do you do it? How do you, how do you preach like that? She said, I've seen you preach numerous times. And I'm like, listen, I said, it's not me. Number one, the, the gift of teaching and leadership, I don't know if I, I'm pretty sure I didn't have those gifts before I gave my life to Christ. I'll tell you that right now. 
but, but the energy, I don't, you know, I mean, do I bong three Red Bulls? Yes, but besides that, you know, God helps. I'm kidding, so it's only two. Um, so, <laughs> but she said, how do you, how do you, and I said, it's the energy, it just comes. Like, I don't, it's almost like it's just a zone. I don't get it, it's God, that's all I can tell you. And, and I, she goes, well, you just give it all. And I thought to myself, and I've said this before, and I thought it, and I thought to myself, how, how can I stand in the shadow of a bloodstained cross? and not offer God anything but my very best. And I, I made a pact with God and I said, God, and, I, and I, don't, I don't think I get this right every weekend, but I try. Before I come up and before I try to give you the word of God, I, I say, God, let me deliver it in a way that it's my last shot. Let, like, like if there's somebody out here and I try to picture you as literally my, my son or my daughter or my brother or my dad, and I, and I say, what, what is the one thing they need to know? If you get one shot and you'll never see him again, you'll never speak to them again. It's it. This is it, Monty. This is it. What would you tell them? It's why you hear the gospel every weekend if you come to this church. You need to know Jesus Christ died for you and rose for you. It's the most important thing in the entire world and eternity hinges in the balance. So I preach that and then I also will add something like serve it. God, I want them to know that their life isn't about them. And when they give their life away to somebody else or something else bigger than them, it blesses them. I need them to know that. And God says, then you tell them and you do it with everything you've got and I'll equip you and I'll help you. And he does every weekend. But that's how, it's not me, it's him. And he wants to do something supernatural in you. It, it, he does. I need you to know that. So that's all I'm going to leave you with today. I love you. I'll, I, I love being your pastor, but you need to know God loves you way more than I do. And he's so powerful. And he wants to meet you today. The evidence is all around. He's in this place. And he's moving. And he wants to do something supernatural in you. Father, thank you so much for your truth and your word. We exist to live. There's people in this place, God, and they already know who they are. Living abundantly is such a is so far off for them right now. They're literally just getting by day by day and barely doing that. That's why you brought them here. God, I pray that as I pray this prayer over this over these people, that you will minister to them and start to heal hurts and start to make them new and let them know that you know what this is a place where it's okay to not be okay so for the people in this place including the guy praying this prayer we're not okay but we know a father in heaven who came to earth who's way more than okay father have your way today i pray i pray next steps are taken i pray people will be led to call on your name and go from death to life and go from just existing to living. And I pray that people will take a next step, use their gifts, use their abilities that you've given them for something greater than themselves and the kingdom will be impacted, lives will be changed and you will be glorified, God. You're so good. You are so loving. We'll never stop, we'll, we'll never stop preaching the gospel, Jesus. We'll never stop telling people about you and your love for them. And nothing they've done or nothing they can do will ever stop you from reaching down with the love of the Father and welcoming them home. Welcome home. We believe that in you, Father, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody says, amen.